0: to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me tonight, author of of two of my favorite books, The Agile Mindset and the Human Side of Agile, uh, Gil Broza. Gil, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Hey, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Listeners may remember that last year at the Path to Agility Conference, we got a chance to sit down and talk for about... 10 minutes. I think you were you were keynoting that year, and I think you had a very busy schedule, but we, you were able to fit us in and, and really appreciated that. It led to a lot of interesting conversation on Twitter about um, fostering an agile mindset, impediments to that mindset, you know, how to make the changes that lead to that mindset, and I think the listeners really like that. Um, this time around, uh, you actually teed up a topic that, uh, you know, it's... Uh, So some behind the scenes real quick. So the Agile for Humans listeners may have heard in the last episode where we talked a little bit about the Slack channel. So if you've been a guest on Agile for Humans, you get invited to a Slack channel, and then we have discussions around topics and ideas, and we were batting around some some thoughts on Agile in context. And then you had reached out and said, hey, this is something that I'm passionate about, something that I'm working on. So Gil, when it comes to making Agile work in your reality... You know, where where are your thoughts going on this? Because I think um, you know, I think this is right along. This is very congruent with the agile mindset, the human side of agile. You know, looking at context and then helping people make that work in their reality. You know, where where are you where are you advancing your work?
1: So what if I review my um, my work, uh, which has been in the coaching, consulting, facilitation domain for the past, oh, I don't know, thirteen years. Uh, what's common to every gig I've had, every client I've worked with, is uh, really helping them make Agile work for them. Uh, I mean, all everyone I know admits that every client is unique, and every client thinks of themselves as unique. Every organization is, in fact, unique. So we cannot give them the same solution. Um, now, as coaches, we don't actually give them a solution. We let them, uh, we help them and guide them in figuring out the solution of their own. But, but again, the solution will never be the same as somebody else's. Uh, even within the same organization, you will have different teams, different groups, different departments working differently, and that's okay. So, what I want to. Um, to do really, you know, for for everyone is is help them make that journey, you know, easy and and more successful. Simply more successful. Um, and this cannot come about by simply saying, well, here is the agile thing. Take it. It's been through the wash, just run with it. Right? Um, so whether that's an established framework or it's a set of practices I'm particularly allergic to calling them best practices. Um, what what is common to all of these things are some characteristics, and that is what makes up the mindset, values, beliefs, and principles. The rest is up to you.
0: And so, when you when you approach a client, and this is the part where I, I'm just amazingly interested in this, and I, and perhaps uh, too mm-hmm. interested in this. But when when you approach a client, what are the things that you're watching? You know, every, and I think every coach has given different answers to this. But when you're when you're observing teams, and I'm maybe I'm assuming too much, but when, I'm assuming you observe quite a bit before you you jump in and act like like uh, most you know thoughtful coaches do. Um, when you're observing these teams and these organizations, what are the things that are you look, you're looking for? What are the smells or the tells of uh of their of their organization?
1: So I I look for you know. A whole lot of things. And um, I I, I don't think I even have a mental checklist. I know a lot of people work from all sorts of structures and patterns and a wheel and stuff like that. Uh, I don't necessarily do that. I, I just have this, you know, these few reminders but here are some things that i always look for almost instinctively i look for the dynamics i look for how people actually act around each other and with each other i look at how leaders work with their followers whether they're formal leaders or informal i look at what they're optimizing for i look for gaps between what they say they do and what they actually do Um, I look at commitments and promises that they make, uh, and I also look at um, what's known in the coaching world as limiting beliefs, which is all the stuff people think they should do or stuff they think that that they are, uh, and they, they never even question. Uh, just as an example, a recent client I had, uh, the uh, chief PO or you know product director or whatever the title was, um, he, he told me, you know, I I love all this Agile thing, but I can tell you the CEO is not going to change. Right, the CEO was behind a lot of um, the problems he was seeing, and he's saying, you know, that's a non-starter. He's not changing and whatnot. So that is very interesting to me because I I don't believe this out of the gate. I have to see for myself. Um, But when I see that people believe such things, um, I I have an idea of how far they'll actually bother with agile concepts, with um, changing their thought patterns, and so on. So I look at what people tell others, what they tell themselves, um, how they think of work. Uh, and so on, yeah
0: so it's really it sounds like you're looking at a lot of the interactions, a lot of the the thoughts and beliefs, and maybe even evaluating the culture at a very high level um, yes, once you have this information and and maybe this is also part of the the workshop that I think you're working on around these lines too, how do you take those learnings and then turn them into actionable? Uh, workshops or discussions or presentations you know what is what is the way that you approach that in order to actually help that learning begin Hmm.
1: so and you alluded to this uh, earlier when you mentioned our, our previous conversation i usually get asked to come in and help with agile and that is a very specific thing so i can say to them look you're interested in, in agile. Agile is this set of values and this set of principles, and the, and it works when these beliefs are met. Okay, if that's what you're in, interested in, and my assessment will usually tell me if they're really interested or they're just you know making noise because everybody else is going agile. But assuming that they are interested in that, I can say, all right, if this is the destination... Here are some things that um, you're doing that are totally aligned with that, and here are some things that are going on that are not aligned with that, and and here is the subset that's going to give you trouble. And this is where I talk about, again, uh, leadership and um, dynamics and, and team formation and expectations and commitments and uh, process and all of those things. So I, I already know from doing this for so many years which... Um, aspects of Agile and which aspects of the journey are particularly problematic and so those are the ones that I would pay attention to so for me, for instance uh, you know, <laughs> when I go to a, a potential client and they say, alright, so we have this checklist of can we do Agile and the checklist says, well, can you co-locate a team can you have a PO, can you do daily stand-ups I said, you know, I don't care for any of that I want to see that you have people who would even be interested in working together on an agile team, not just being kind of lumped together in a so-called team that's under a shared boss, but really an, an agile team, people who who do actually hold each other mutually accountable and do succeed together and make a lot of the decisions they otherwise wouldn't be making. So there are definitely elements of the agile journey and, and you know, the, the the target state, so to speak, uh, that you definitely need to pay attention to. You need to pay attention to uh, team design and org design. You need to pay attention to technical agility. You need to pay attention to managing the work intake, things like that. So these are um, some of the um, aspects that I would be pointing out and saying, all right, uh, this is going to get in the way. Here are some suggestions for dealing with this. How much do you want me to help you? that's basically it
0: yeah i I appreciate you walking through that that's i think it's a a, it's a great way to approach just a a client in general it's through that observation and then you take those learnings forward and work with the client hey everybody ryan ripley here we're going to take a quick break when we come back more with gil Broza. are your test automation skills up to par are you comfortable with tdd bdd and atdd Get both the foundational knowledge and the technical skills you need to successfully test software in an Agile environment with courses by today's sponsor, SQE Training. SQE Training is one of the TechWell companies and is the exclusive training provider at their Agile Dev, Better Software, DevOps, and Star conferences. Combining this access to many of the industry's most sought-after practitioners with their resources like Agile Connection and Sticky Minds, They help organizations around the world improve their skills, practices, and knowledge in software development and testing. During August, Agile for Humans listeners can save 20% on their Agile Testing and Agile Test Automation courses with the code 17CHFA. This offer is good on both their public classroom courses in six cities across the U.S. or from anywhere with their live virtual courses. You can get details on the courses as well as see the upcoming dates and locations by visiting RyanRipley.com forward slash SQE. Again, use promo code 1717CHFA to save 20% on Agile testing and test automation courses by visiting RyanRipley.com forward slash SQE. What do you find are actually the, the biggest barriers for them taking that next step forward and to learn some of the lessons that you're putting forward? Uh, <laughs>
1: denial? Denial, I think, would be up there. Well, I, I suppose you're uh, familiar with Christopher Avery's responsibility process, right? And I'm sure many of the listeners are as well, right? Where basically we catalog the non-responsive, non-responsible behaviors as, you know, denial and blame and justification and whatnot. And all of these are present. When when I present my findings and my suggestions, um, you know, the, the last client that I was referring, when I met the um, VP of technology and, that, and the chief product owner uh, and gave them my assessment, the VP was in full denial. Oh, it's not that bad. And oh, No, no, no. We, we got it under control. It's all fine. Uh, you know what you're saying here. Yeah, yes, that's right. But don't worry about it. It's fine. And so on. Um, which definitely didn't help. And, you know, the other guy kept telling him, what are you talking about? Of course, it's a problem. It's going to be a problem. It always has been a problem. And, and, and it it's funny just to see how, you know, one person will admit it and the other one will not and how they, um, deal with it. But let me tell you, uh, it's definitely hard to pull people out of that stance. It's definitely hard. And, um, you know, another uh, another stance is that of blame, where people will say, "All right, so I hear what you're saying, but you know, it's not my fault. They did this to me. This is not my doing. Uh, you know, if management only did this and that, if our stakeholders weren't so difficult, if we didn't have to do this and whatnot." And uh, this is definitely what I what I have to deal with when um, when I discuss, you know, the, this type of you know assessment or the overall journey, whether they take me for. To help them or not, um, these are definitely the stances um, that I have to deal with, and pretty much everything else is secondary in importance.
0: So when you talk about adapting the practices and agility for for context, or or observing a company and then seeing how you can help or help them improve, what does that mean for uh, companies that want to implement Scrum? Now, this is a, this is a framework uh, that we talked about in the last episode quite extensively with a lot of uh, varying opinions and, and discussions there that you know, if you want to check that out, uh, it's, in, it's in the feed. And I thought it was a good discussion on Scrum. Mm-hmm. However, if we're looking at Agile in context, does Scrum still fit in that world, uh, in your opinion?
1: It doesn't. It does not. Um, it does because Scrum was definitely designed from the Agile mindset. Uh, the values are there. Most of the principles are there. Scrum is silent on some of them, uh, but it's definitely you know based on the Agile mindset and congruent with it. Um, but that is not necessarily the Scrum that people see and get, even if they go to the training. Um, You know, too many of the people I encounter, uh, their view of Scrum is the pretty picture, right? The pretty picture with the big cycle and the small cycle and this thing that looks like a stack of paper, um, you know, basically the backlog. Uh, You know, if if you were to communicate Scrum by basically saying what the artifacts are and the roles are and and whatnot, uh, this is a very flat perspective. And this will not work without context, I have a team right now where, you know, <laughs> we, we, we had the retrospective. And um, one guy mustered the courage to say, you know what? I really don't like the daily stand-up. And somehow the conversation continued. And he said, you know, I just don't see why we're doing this. And, and I asked the guys, okay, so why are you doing this? And nobody had a good answer. And until somebody said, well, you know, I thought we had to, right? Because back when our team lead was here, well, that's what we did. And, and well, she's no longer there. Um, I said, well, what if you didn't do the stand-up? What would happen? Right? So, this, this started a, a coaching snowball. But the thing is, they were under the assumption that they had to do certain things. And I'm not of the opinion that you have to do anything, Everything is a choice. Um, You might have to do something if management forces it on you, but that's already a different anti-pattern. It's not coachable at the team level. So context means that I might start you off with a daily stand-up because generally it's better than having nothing uh, and it's a really good coordination mechanism and when facilitated well it has a nice side effect of doing team building um, but if I see that it's degenerating into a useless status meeting, if I see that it's boring which it often is, uh, if I see that you know people drag themselves into that meeting but they don't really want to participate and I see that they get the coordination anyway like that team it was describing then you know what customize it away same with the demo right demo is meant to basically get you actionable feedback from stakeholders or finally seeing what they ask for and what if they don't show up half my clients that's the reality they do demo to themselves well okay if you wanted to show and tell that's fine but i don't see how this is helping agility in context agile in context i I like to start with something that is recognizable. I like to start with something that generally works. I do have um, a framework that I suggest. It is kind of based on Scrum. Um, it has elements you would recognize from Safe. It's stuff I've done for many years. Um, but I also know that there are several pieces in it that are, you know, are not battles to pick right? It's more important to me that you form teams that have good prospects of actually you know, thriving together. Uh, it's more important to me that the team works from a single authoritative list, a single coherent list. Whether you call it a backlog or whatever, I don't care. Um, it's important to me that you actually finish stuff. Uh, it's important to me that you work on what's valuable. You can always trace every work item to value. So Scrum gives you all of that, but you don't have to have Scrum in order to get that
0: so that that's definitely an a, a viewpoint that was expressed last week in in various forms and i and i think it's one that uh, a lot of people carry forward is that they take you know bits and pieces from from other practices with the goal of trying to get companies to deliver and i think that's it's an interesting take on 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 coaching teams especially if you're if you're framework agnostic so i mm-hmm. you know i tend to lean towards scrum and that um you know some people are very uh, allergic to that that kind of thinking but you know, I, I, I like the idea of, of Agile in context. Now, I, I tend to believe that Scrum can fit a lot of context and help people at least um, learn where some of their their gaps are. You know, that, that to me is uh, the, the power of it. And, and so if you're, if you're using bits and pieces but pulling from other places, what are the tools that you use to help companies actually discover some of their organizational dysfunction and, and then uh, hopefully help them face it?
1: Well, the uh, the primary tool, and we do get that from Scrum, is definitely the retrospective, and it's, that's why it's so important to me that the teams don't do it well with their sprints too soon. Um, I mean, it's not that I favor Kanban over over sprints, but um, you know, some teams kind of go, grow tired of sprints. But I do want them reflecting frequently, and when they reflect, I like them to really look at uh, various aspects of what's going on. Um, you know struggles to complete stuff, clarity of work, uh, dynamics within the team, things like that so so again, all those aspects that I know are necessary for a successful agile journey uh, these are the things that uh, I like teams to review in the retrospectives now, depending on the team, I, I might not necessarily bring them up. I might maybe lead, kind of lead towards them, um, or if the if the team needs a lot of hand holding, then I will bring them up. Um, so, you know, on, on the spectrum of, you know, um, you know, totally participative and totally prescriptive, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, but kind of moving around based on the team. Um, but I, I, I actually want to go back to something you said before, um, that Scrum helps to expose the gaps. It does that. Um, I would argue that basically any implementation based on the Agile values and principles, even a little bit on each principle, will do that as well. What I don't like is when when people uh, use Scrum as a whip, not thou shalt do Scrum or else. But when people say that Scrum will expose organizational dysfunction, I I really take an issue with that. Because what what I do think is that Scrum does not expose dysfunction. Scrum exposes the gap between the desired value system and the current value system. And that is not a dysfunction. That is a gap between two states. And the organization is in one state right now, says that they want to move to the other state. Scrum, based on that other state, will help you to see the gap. Fair enough. Um, But the other thing that Scrum will actually not help you with is doing this at an organizational scale. Um, And by this, I mean actually talking to the senior leadership that you know keeps the culture in place and keeps the value system in place because scrum is not designed for that level we've extended it we've scaled it but the 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 conversations are not there and and i I find myself more and more um coaching at more senior levels and i started doing this years ago but nowadays more and more so i i will often be you know on First name basis with uh, the SVP, or if it's a smaller company with the CEO, because this is where um, the change w- will be supported or prevented.
0: <laughs> right. So, doesn't Scrum though provide uh, the inputs for those conversations? What I mean is, you know, wh- whether it's dysfunction, impediments, or or a gap between desired states, uh, to have a discussion with with that executive level, which. Uh, which I'm also very familiar with. Don't mm-hmm. we have to walk in with quite a bit of evidence, uh, which Scrum is actually pretty good at providing?
1: Uh, yes, uh, but but again, not exclusively. So so again, Scrum when it fits, and and I agree with you, it fits many contexts. Um, when it fits, it will give us a lot of that evidence, absolutely. Uh, but but again, you you don't even have to go that far. If all look, if you only said, "Look, I'm going to get enough people on my team so we can finish valuable stuff," okay, and let's say in software that would imply that you know you join testers and devs and maybe a BA and maybe an architect and so on, um, and you work from a list of valuable things that presumably prioritize to meet some useful objective. If you simply look at that and you see what you're accomplishing and what's actually happening, that will give you so much data. So much data. You don't have to count points or stories. It's not about Jira. It's not about templates. It's not about demos. It's not about any of that. It's about the fact that we're trying to finish valuable stuff quicker and we can't. What's going on?
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think... um... You know, the, the impediments or the dysfunction or the gaps between the ability to ship working software, val- the well, let me rephrase it, the ability to ship valuable working software frequently, ide- identifying mm-hmm. those things, that's the game. And uh, whether, whether you're using Scrum, which can be useful, or, or some other framework, or if you just start with a retro and build out you know I, I also believe uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you that the retrospective is a, immensely powerful. I think you could actually rediscover scrum just by starting with a retro and, and, and working forward as you retrospect through um, you know how would it be how would we rather work? Do we want to work in large time boxes or small? Well, small time boxes give us more frequent feedback, right so let's pick that and then you could work through those different discussions through through more uh, retrospecting, but it, well,
1: uh, hold on. If if you only started with retrospecting, couldn't you just as well discover
0: Kanban? Absolutely. I, I think a team could also just as equally decide that that uh, throughput instead of sprinting could be valuable in their context, uh, depending on the type of work they're doing and the way that their organization is structured.
1: Absolutely. So So really what we're saying is, if we take a mechanism that is geared to improvement, but we're also cognizant of what we're optimizing for, Right and and in Agile we optimize for delighting our customer and in Kanban, we optimize for throughput. Wonderful. If we just started with that, we would get someplace. Uh, I have a client right now, uh, another client where they've been kind of limping along with Scrum, on, you know, various levels, different teams and whatnot. And I had a conversation with one of the Dev managers last week, and and he told me, you know, we just decided that we want to be shippable every two weeks regardless of sprints or whatever we just want to be shippable every two weeks and not every like two months and now that has totally changed how they think of stories and testing them uh they actually start with a test plan for each story not the traditional you know 80s type of test plan but the test strategy really on you know how would we know that we're done and you know they also uh, they, they don't test later they test during and things like that that's little change in what we optimize for has created the snowball effect. Which again could coexist in, with Scrum, with Kanban, with Lean, doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, w- when it comes to frameworks, um, it's funny, you know, w- when you look at Safe, for instance, th- there's so many elements in it that resemble how we used to do, you know, big agile like 10 years ago. And generally it's a good idea but again context absolutely absolutely context and and in some contexts it would make se- uh, it would make sense and in others it wouldn't the problem is that a lot of people don't actually know what they're allowed to change <laughs> and they think of it as being allowed right
0: yeah no i i agree that that permission factor uh can definitely hold teams back and and even just discovering that you know it, it, it's interesting teams are often reluctant to make certain changes or to solve certain problems and management will often sit back and say, well, why wouldn't you solve that? And both sides are are not connected on, on what's permissible. And I think you're right. That's another big area of, you know, that, and perhaps that's where working agreements and and some other uh, retro discussions come into play, but all of those disconnects and gaps, just, I think they all add up. It's this cumulative uh, effect on an org that uh, I think the kind of work that you're doing through these discovery and then making adaptations. I, I think it, that really helps pull uh, some of those, those gaps uh, a little bit closer together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that I'm interested in, I'm always, I like talking to uh, book authors cause I find that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with the two books uh, already published, what I find is once someone writes two, there's always a third on the way. And so I'm <laughs> curious uh, what ideas are you working on right now? And is there is my hunch correct that there could be a third book in the works? <laughs> well, so for
1: about eight months, I had stickies on the wall in the hallway near my office. Uh, that was third book laid out. And then I uh, decided not to do it, which was a matter of... Um, Basically you know <laughs> sorting my work by value, and I decided that writing the third book would not be as valuable <laughs> um, what is interesting though, and, and this is definitely not something I saw coming, which you know evolutionary design, right what can you do um, is once I captured uh, the content of the stickies you know in pictures or in words before I took the stickies down, I realized. Oh, you know what? This is actually all the stuff I do with my clients to help them succeed, right? So if a client is willing to invest, and it's usually you know, a sizable investment to you know, um, get me for the, for the journey until they reach self-sufficiency, uh, here's what I will do with them. And then I realized, you know what? I should probably bottle this and make it into a workshop, I wanted to create a workshop for people who had already taken CSM and CSPO or stuff like that and are now wondering, okay, so how do I marry the ideals and the concepts that I learned about in the course with my messy reality? What can I change in my reality to become more agile? And on the flip side, what can I Legitimately change in Agile while keeping it Agile, so that it will even work in our context and stick. And so, uh, this is what I'm now building a workshop for. Um, so, we're recording this when I'm sort of halfway through its design. And uh, I plan to, you know, teach a session at the end of uh, September, and um, most likely at least one next year. So, instead of a book, we got a workshop.
0: Very good, so do you have any ideas or 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 things that you can share with the listeners about you know about bridging that that gap so these these people we all of us take the two day courses we move on to perhaps the c s p or the p s m two or three we mm-hmm. advance in our careers we get some experience, but really changing the mental mindset or or changing our own mindset and and shifting our our reality as, as you discuss you know do you have a tip a A method or something that people can think about uh, not to give away the entire point of the workshop but just uh, is there something that people can do today that would help them make that next step well
1: it's it's the one tip I I keep sharing everywhere and we probably even talked about this last year anytime you have a situation and you want to make it better or um, there's something you're doing practice process whatever and it's not quite getting you what you're after. Make those changes based on the principles and the values. It's a, th- th- there are two lists. One is really short, the other one is kind of longer. Simply review them and say, all right, which of these am I not getting here? Which of these could I get more of? Okay? Um, for instance, uh, we do, you know, sprint demo. Okay? And most of the people I know Get bored, witless with the demo, okay? Um, so they might be getting some feedback from some stakeholder, but it's usually not worth the one hour of everybody in there together. Okay, so maybe we're getting the feedback. Let's say it's enough. but what else from you know, the, 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 from the agile thinking, can we get more of here? Can we get more collaboration here? Can we infuse more collaboration into a demo? Well, we could right maybe we could um instead of doing essentially a show and tell, we can have uh something that's more like exploratory testing right so um you know uh, people kind of demo to themselves while the uh, stakeholders kind of demo to themselves while um while the team um engages them in conversation. Maybe that would be useful i don't know uh. Maybe we find ourselves working in sprints, but the sprints feel like overhead. Well, maybe there are some things about the sprints that we can change, and some things that uh, can simply go away, right? Uh, This is a lot of how uh, No Estimates was born, right? So always fall back on the principles, right? They're there to serve the values, the, make the client happy. People come first. Collaborate with the customer. Deliver frequently. right? Adapt to change. So just get more of them. I, I use the principle simply as a checklist. What else could we get here?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a wonderful tip, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that with the listeners. I think it's it's one that I, I frequently use. I've discussed in past episodes kind of a journaling exercise, and I And I try to do that uh, with the the manifesto. And if I'm working in a scrum environment, the scrum guide kind of at my side as I I think about the day, the struggles, the challenges, and then how I can infuse uh, the values, principles, and framework back into what I'm doing. And I find that that just, it it helps keep those things front of mind. And and I think it helps us deepen our understanding. You know, the the Agile Manifesto is deceptively simple, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Four principles, 12 values. But as you really think about the implications of living those values and applying those principles to your work, you find that these are incredibly deep statements that can have very profound impacts on the way that you even do like, like a sprint review as you were talking about. And so I think that's uh, again, a really great tip for the listeners and appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's actually a good place for us to, to leave off on this talk. Uh, okay. Just such a great, powerful uh, tip for the listeners that, that they can actually make actionable today. And so again, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. now this part of the show uh, now you're a veteran of this show so I think from last time we did this too anything that you would like to plug this is your opportunity to get uh, your contact information uh, upcoming workshops, talks anything that you're offering in front of the listeners so that they can continue the conversation check out what you're up to uh, we'll definitely get links to the books, so the Agile Mindset and the Human Side of Agile uh, mm-hmm. into the show notes so that listeners can check that out uh, highly recommend uh, both of those books really help you dig into uh, the human aspects, the the values and principles, and that it's just just great ways to infuse that that thinking and mindset into your practice. But anything else you have, Gil, I'd, I'd love it if you'd uh, get that in front of the listeners.
1: Yes. Uh, well, first off, about the books, um, of course, you know, anybody can get them on um, Amazon. But uh, if you follow the links um, that you'll post with the show notes and you buy directly from me, I actually donate that money to charity. So I would actually really prefer it if you bought it from me because then the middleman, Amazon, gets less or gets nothing. <laughs> sure. So that would be nice. They make enough. Uh, so there's that. Uh, really, the... Um, uh, my one big way to stay connected to, uh, to people is through my um, newsletter, which is, you know, a fancy word for an article every couple uh, couple weeks. And um, every few editions, I actually engaged um, the, um, the readers with some questions and surveys, and they've helped me a lot over the years. And uh, um, this is also how I get to create things like that. So like w- when this new workshop is um is ready that's where I'll announce it right it's not a certified anything so it won't be in you know one of the uh you know major uh course outlets so, um, anybody who's, um, you know, curious about this, if, if you just, you know, get on my, um, get on my list, this is where stuff like this gets, um, announced and where I, you know, seek feedback from people and whatnot. Um, this is simply, a, you know, just register on my website at 3pvantage.com. Um, yeah, other than that, you know, I, I get to do a lot of speaking engagements. Um, I guess this could be counted as one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Like I did PATH last year. I'm, I'm going to be uh, doing something in North Carolina next year. I do a lot in Toronto, where I live. Um, so, anybody who's interested, you know, just um, and, and they're in your area or they're virtual, uh, just uh, come and um, find me there. So, um, yeah, that, that's really how I um, keep in touch with people. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't know that there's going to be a third book. So, really, it's mostly the, uh, the newsletter.
0: Well, the, the workshop sounds great, and I, I'm sure the listeners. As soon as that comes out, we'll uh, we'll get some links out to that so that people can check that out. Um, okay. This episode will probably air while um, I'm at Agile 2017, and I th- think Gil, you're not going to be there this year, are you? No, I decided not to not to go this year. Yep, yep. Sometimes it's good to take a little break from uh, from the conferences, and uh, totally you know understand how long that. I've gone? How how long? Uh, my first one was two thousand four um,
1: and I, I actually you know went on my own dime but I, I had this experience report published there and and it was chosen as the best one out of six so so that gave me free admission um This was my first agile conference the following year it got um you know it merged with the other conference and and that 's how we got the big the big one right which is now twenty five hundred people um so i 've gone basically every year since then, with one exception.
0: Excellent. Well, you're definitely, then you've earned a break, but uh, we will miss you there and, uh, and hope to see you at future ones. Cool. Okay. So as for me, your host, Ryan Ripley, again, I'll be at Agile 2017. So if you're listening to this while you're there, come and find me, say hello. Uh, would love to connect about the show and anything we've talked about and, and hear your thoughts Uh, Those are definitely appreciated. Also want to just say thank you to the listener out there. All of you who are sharing the show, the the download numbers have dramatically increased. We've actually seen a massive bump uh, month over month. Uh, That means you are all sharing the show with with friends and clients and cannot thank you enough for that. Um, And so really just a a lot of gratitude coming your way. Thank you for sharing. If you get a moment, please go out to iTunes, leave us a, a review that helps us get the word out as well and it helps the show grow and helps us get great people like Gil to come on the show and talk to us about all the things that he's thinking about and working on. So really appreciate that help. Uh, Gil, again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for being out there. And uh, this is Ryan Ripley saying, have a great night. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com.